Off top, I played against Kurt Warner one time. I was playing for the Falcons. It was wild card round of the playoffs. I balled. We lost. Play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. All right, so we had a very great conversation. Me and Charlie, kind of. Charlie got boxed out for much of the conversation, but we did a lot of quarterback talk with my man, Kurt Warner. I think I can call him a friend now. He's a friend. With my friend, Kurt Warner. Enjoy. I learned so much. (laughs) This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DF today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DF. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right. So first of all, we're joined by Hall of Famer, Super Bowl champ, Kurt Warner. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I have an embarrassing confession to make. We're going to start this interview with me embarrassing myself. Is Kurt's been so flexible rescheduling this interview in part because I didn't show up for the last interview. And the reason why I didn't show up, and I haven't told Kurt what, what happened, but so I'm in Miami. I came down to Miami on a quick trip to help out a friend, and I needed a haircut. So I text someone to find a barber. The barber gave me his number, and Kurt and I had been texting also about scheduling this interview. And then the morning of the interview was also the day I was supposed to get the haircut. So I didn't save the barber's number, and the barber texted me and said, I don't think this afternoon can work. And I was like, okay, cool. No problem. When are you free? And he was like, Thursday at 2.30. I was like, all right, locked in. And then I saved his number under Kurt Warner. And so then the, the interview came around and came and went. And it, then I went to go find the barber's number and realized, oh, my gosh, I just canceled the interview with Kurt Warner. So I'm ashamed and embarrassed. And the way that I deal with that is by telling you about it. <laughs> Not a problem, brother. Things happen. Yeah, I appreciate it. But I enjoy watching QB Confidential on YouTube. And the reason why I wanted to have you on initially is because I think I know what I'm doing when I'm evaluating quarterbacks. But 
I obviously don't because I have to watch QB Confidential sometimes on YouTube to learn these things. So I guess, are there things about evaluating quarterbacks that you can share with me and the viewers uh, that'll help us so that we can be the smart people in, when we're watching the games? Well, as you know, Dominic, there's, there's so many things that go into play in the quarterback position. And I think that's the hard thing when everybody out there just wants to evaluate the quarterback. It's nearly impossible to do unless you understand the nuances. And so when I go to break down tape, the first thing that I have to do is I have to decipher what the play concept is. Because if you have no idea what the quarterback's supposed to be doing, then there's no way to evaluate whether they did the right thing or not. You know, we can stand back there. Oh, he should have thrown it to this guy because this guy's open on tape. Or, you know, or he should have taken this drop because, you know, he was ready too early or, or whatever those things are. And so the first thing you have to do is come to understand what concepts are, what they're trying to do within an offense. Now, Dominic, you know as well as I do watching tape, sometimes you'll watch tape and you'll go, I have no idea what they're trying to do. I, <laughs> yeah. I couldn't tell you as yeah. a quarterback what I would do with this concept. Right. But that's the first thing that I'm always trying to break down. And so I think that's what really can bring people into that quarterback room so much better is when you can look at the concept and go, all right, people, here's what we have. And here are the options. And then from there, you're able to now evaluate, okay, is the quarterback, are his eyes in the right spot? Are his feet doing the right thing? Um, did he throw this on time? Should he have been to the other side of this play due to the coverage that you're seeing? And so that to me is where it all really right. starts. And, um, and that's a hard thing to understand unless you really truly know football and what? unless you truly understand what a team is trying to do. And then, you know, beyond that, um, you know, I, I still sit and kind of shake my head and, and want to be a fly in the room in all, these, uh, in all these meetings to go, okay, what were you trying to do there? And, and, and why did you run this route this particular way? Because all of those little nuances can affect what a quarterback does or what he sees or how easy it is for him to get a read off of a defensive player um, based on how you run a particular concept. So that's really where I always start is that I think you have to step back and instead of just kind of looking at the tape and seeing somebody's open, try to decipher what the play call is and what, right. and again, I, I always say this in my you know YouTube breakdowns or, or on my website that I'm not in the meeting room. So right. I don't know exactly what the coaches are telling these quarterbacks to do, but I am a smart football guy. Yeah. And I know that if you gave me that play and you put the ball in my hands, I have a pretty good sense of what I would do on different concepts and where I would go and who I should be looking at. And that's really the perspective that I come from. Is there a, a quarterback that in the league who you think the his ability or is 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 not fully appreciated, or there's a misconception about any quarterbacks in the league right now, where either we think that uh, he's not as good as he is, or the other way around, is someone is being propped up by the things around them? Um, you know, I I just think you know maybe the biggest thing to me when when you ask that question is I would say that. The thing that people don't appreciate enough, and maybe this is just my background, you know, because mm -hmm. you probably know when you watch tape, uh, you probably enjoy watching people that played the game like you did. When I watch tape, I appreciate guys that played the game like I did. They played it with their mind first. They played with timing and anticipation and getting the ball out. Whereas in this league now, we've got some tremendous athletes and guys that can throw the ball a mile and that can take off and run and, and hurdle you or run you over and and we fall in love with that part of it. And 
that stuff is fun to watch. There's no doubt about it. I mean, we've got some freaks playing the position like we've never seen before. But I think the thing that is underappreciated are the guys that play the game mentally and the guys that know where to go with the football. And it doesn't always look flashy. And it doesn't always impress you because they're not running around to their left and, and throwing it or throwing no-look passes. But to me, that's more impressive than anything who are, else. Because who are you thinking about? Who's the player right now that you're thinking about that, that does that really well? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Tom Brady was a guy that, yeah. you know, what I loved was that, you know, just even a couple of years ago when he's leading Super the league and, and, and touchdowns and stuff, you know, we're talking about all these other guys, and yet here's Tom still at 40-whatever years old, mm. still playing great football. Why? Because he wins with, with his mind. Joe Burrow was another one of those guys. I think when we're talking about, you know, kind of this era, you know, we look at the Lamar Jacksons and, and the Patrick Mahomes and the Josh Allens, and, and we see athleticism. And he's the one guy, I think, in the mix where we still see him as one of the top quarterbacks in the league, but a guy that plays um, that way. He plays by getting the ball out of his hands and being accurate with the football and knowing where to go with it and beating pressure by, by throwing the ball quick instead of you know, trying to avoid the pass rush and then making a play. Um, you know, so that's something that I think is underappreciated now because we're seeing a level of athleticism and physical talent that we've never seen before. But I'm a guy that always believes if you can do the mental part of the, if you can play the mental part of the game, you always have a chance. You know that you always have a chance to be successful, and I and I think we continue to see that in the league, even though a lot of people are saying, "Oh, that kind of player is dying." I don't think that player will ever die. I no. think that kind of quarterback. Now, again, you got to have the physical skills to go with it, but that kind of quarterback will always have a chance to be successful because it won't always depend on can I escape. You know, can I make the special throw? It's about doing the right thing over and over and over again. Yeah, I, I when I look back on my career, the plays that I'm proudest of are those plays that required that, like, I outsmarted the defense. And I, I tell stories about working with the safeties to decide, disguise the quarterback. And um, Charlie certainly doesn't want to hear this story again. But when we trick Peyton Manning into throwing uh, interception, that, like, feels great. For, for you, are there plays like that from either your career or plays that you have seen recently where you just – are wild by the ability to anticipate because that that cat and mouse is what I'm thinking of. I remember the Peyton stories like he's expecting this. We showed him that, which meant that he was yep. going to do this, which meant we did that. And then we got an interception. That feels great. So do you have a story like that for me? I do. I, I will give you a story. Um, actually, uh, my first year starting, uh, we played against Tampa in the championship game. You know, this is an infamous game of, uh, you know, the greatest show on turf uh, scored 11 points in the championship game. But we only had five points in that game into the middle of the fourth quarter. And so in the middle of the fourth quarter, um, you know, we're, we're uh, you know, starting to move the football a little bit. And there's a play where John Lynch comes down playing free safety. He comes down to the weak side and, and he blitzes from the weak side, you know, what we would call a four-week pressure. And so in our offense with the Rams, we always ran side adjustments. So we were a big hot team. We didn't try to, you know, change the protection to pick everybody up. It was like, if you're going to bring that, we're going to attack him. We're going to adjust our receiver on the backside, or we're going to throw a hot to the front side. So John Litz comes on a pressure. But right before the ball was snapped, uh, a timeout was called. And so, you know, the four-week pressure comes, and, you know, of course we saw it, that it was coming. And so we, we go into the huddle, and it was actually Ricky Prohl that was playing for us at the time. And, you know, Ricky hadn't caught a touchdown pass, um, you know, all year long. You know, if you look at Ricky at that point, you know, he's probably one of those guys that you go, okay, you know, he's the more possession receiver. He's not a speed receiver. 
But we had talked about all week that if they brought that pressure, that four week, we were going to run a go route as our side adjustment, um, you know, because they like to jump and they knew when you had a, an issue and they were going to try to jump the, the hitch or the slant. So Ricky and I were talking and we're like, they're probably not going to do it again. Like, you know, we saw it, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it showed itself. They're probably not going to do it again. But if they do it again, what, what you know, would you want to run the go route? And I'm, you know, we're talking back and forth and I'm like, screw it. You know, we're having trouble moving the football and we're having trouble scoring. So just run the go route um, if that happens again. And sure enough, we come out of the timeout, show the four week. They bring the blitz again. Uh, Ricky runs the go. Um, I think it was Brian Kelly that he was playing against at the time, but uh, kind of settled his feet, expecting us to do something short. Ricky's able to get over the top of him. And that was ultimately the touchdown pass that would lead us and get us into the Super Bowl and end up winning a ring. And so, you know, that's one of those kind of cat and mouse. Yeah. All right. Know it's coming. Okay. We know what we've got to do. How do we want to adjust to it? We were able to make the proper adjustment there and then uh, and put us in the Super Bowl. I would love to see that offense in modern football. Yes. Like, uh, oh uh, my what, yes. what do you guys what do you guys look like today? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it would it would be it would be scary. Um, you know, the, the one thing that I would say though is that what I love so much about playing in that era, I mean, uh, there's a couple things. First thing is that you guys had a chance. Like, you guys <laughs> had it. a chance that, <laughs> I you know, <laughs> you could be physical. Obviously, you could you could hit guys. You could change the complexion of things. You could be physical at the line of scrimmage. So I love that part of it. I, I love the fact that we were able to do what we did in an era where you could really play defense. I think the other thing that I loved is that we were a team that attacked down the field. Yeah. You know, when you watch the game now, so much of the game is played within five yards of the line of scrimmage. And, you know, it's great and it puts up yards and it, you know, makes the completion percentage of these guys skyrocket. But I'm not sure I would have would have had as much fun yeah. throwing bubble screens and now routes, right. you know, 15 times a game as opposed to dropping back and challenging myself by making those throws down the field, which is what we were so good at. And so I think it would be scary because we had unbelievable talent. We had great timing. Um, you know, you couple my accuracy with the ability of guys to run after catch. I mean, I, you know, who knows what it would have looked like. But, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a, you know, cool aspect to knowing you kind of ushered in yeah. this new brand of football. What we did at that era, even at a different time, kind of ushered in this idea that you can throw first and still win. You can be successful through efficiency throwing the football. And so – um, you know, so it's kind of nice to know that we were kind of, yeah. uh, you know, that team that spearheaded what we're seeing now in terms of how people how people play football. I'd always kind of thought that accuracy um, was the most important trait for a quarterback because accuracy beats we could have perfect coverage and it beats everything. But I always kind of thought also that it was not something that could be fixed and. I guess I was wrong. Like, uh, what's your position on that? Like, uh, Josh Allen obviously is the yeah. guy who comes to mind as the the one example of yeah uh, aggra- addressing the accuracy issues. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I'll say first and foremost that it is really hard to get better at. You know, I mean, you're right. Josh has kind of thrown that whole theory out the window, yeah. even though he probably shouldn't because he's just yeah. simply an outlier. Yeah. Like, very few people that you see are really inaccurate. Uh, in college or, you know, throughout their career. And then all of a sudden they, they make this switch and become extremely accurate. You don't see that very often because accuracy is so much about timing and technique. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to change your technique and get better at your technique and learn those things that lead to accuracy because it takes so much time. You know, 
we're all preachers of habit. Right. It's easy to do when we go out in the backyard and we're working with our quarterback coach and we've got no pressure and you don't have to worry about anything. Oh, your technique's good. Your feet are good. All of that stuff's great. <clears throat> but then you always fall back to the habits that you have. And so it's a really hard thing to practice and to get better at as you get older because there's only so much time to practice. When you coach quarterbacks, do you coach them to have uh, the Kurt Warner grip or do you allow them to keep their own grip? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't worry about the grip. <laughs> to me, it's all about the feet. It's yeah. all about the hips. It's all about, you know, the weird phrase I always use is take your arm out of it. Mm. I don't want them throwing it all with their arm. I want them throwing with their body. I want their power to be created with their body so they're not, you know, having to direct everything with their arm. Uh, but yeah, I don't worry so much about how they hold the football. That to me is more of a preference thing. Um, but the thing I'll say about Josh uh, is that there are certain aspects of Josh's game from a technique standpoint um, that have always been solid. You know, his biggest thing early in his career is he would never bring his feet with his arm. You know, he got so used to just that cannon of a right arm that he would try to make every throw with his right arm. And so you would see one beautiful throw and then the next one he'd miss by 10 yards. Yeah. Now he's just doing a better job of bringing his body and feet with the arm. And so with that technique that he had, now you bring it all together. And that's what's created, I think, that huge jump for him. Um, but I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's an easy thing to do. I think Jalen Hurts uh did a pretty good job of it yeah. going from two years ago to last year as well. He's still got a little bit of a longer release and some things that I think um, you know, can be issues from an accuracy standpoint. But um, but overall, I think he did a great job of working to get better at it. And so it shows that you can't improve in those areas, but it takes a lot of work. I've completely boxed out my co-host because I want to nerd out with you on football stuff. So I'll let him <laughs> get in on a second in a second. But um, the offenses that do the things that you want offenses to do, that give quarterbacks answers, attack in the right ways, I, there are obvious answers to this question. Are there some offenses or offensive coordinators who, who – wouldn't come to mind because I think Andy Reid comes to mind immediately of that sure. offense gives answers to everyone. Who's the offense that I would look smart if I went into a football room and said, yeah. hey, you guys aren't talking about? Well, you know, the first thing is, you know, knowing what answers look like. Um, mm -hmm. But I would say uh, Zach Taylor does a good job with Cincinnati. I, th mm -hmm. I think they do a great job. And again, a lot of it can be dependent on the fact that their quarterback yeah. <laughs> knows what he's doing and what he's seeing and how to get the ball out of his hands. I actually love um, you know, what they, what they were doing, uh, with the chargers. I love the scheme that the chargers had, uh, a year ago. Um, and, and the way they gave answers and the way they used, I'm a big check down guy using your back in specific ways to help your passing game. I thought they did a great job. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to be interested to see, um, you know, with Kellen going there, what mm -hmm. the kind of, what the changes are, knowing what they did in Dallas. Um, and, and I think Kellen does some great things too. I, I think they have, yeah some really good schemes that they ran in Dallas. Uh, I would like to see them do a little bit better from a hot standpoint right there. Um, is there a philosophy? Yeah, hold on, Charlie, one more second. Um, is there a philosophy uh, for you? I noticed you talked about this, and this, it got me excited. When you were getting blitzed in that playoff game against the Buccaneers, you were going for the big play. And I know if you get surprised and you have a hot, but if you anticipate the blitz from a conceptually – you'd like an offense to try to make the defense pay. Yeah, make the defense pay. But, you know, again, my mentality was if I get the ball into the hands of my playmaker mm -hmm. faster than you can make your adjustment, 
I always felt like those were big plays. You know, when I played with with St. Louis, we got a lot of big plays on hot, quick throws because you were out of position trying to disguise your pressure. I saw your pressure and I gave it to Marshall yeah. or I gave it to right. Oz or or Isaac or one of those guys quickly. You're going to pay. And yeah. so it didn't have to always be a big throw down the field as much as it was an aggressive mentality that you blitz us, we're going to win. And the win is getting a completion and then forcing you guys to tackle us because so often you guys are out of position when you're trying to, you know, trying to disguise a blitz yeah. more so than, you know, if you know what you're doing, us being off guard. And so um, it was always trying to make the defense pay when they pressured you. Like, I welcome that because, right. you know, when you pressure – you got less guys on the other end. Yeah, we're and compromised. So, you, right, yeah. You were yeah. compromised to some degree. Um, but I looked at it more as if I'm not worried about holding the football and throwing it down the field and making you pay with a 50-yard throw. I want to make you pay by getting the ball out of my hands and then letting my guy, you know, making it easy, getting right. an easy completion and then letting my guy make one guy miss, and now we're getting a big play. The Super Bowl last year drove me crazy as a mm -hmm. defensive back because it felt like the Super Bowl was decided by um, the Eagles' inability to properly address the motion that the Chiefs were uh, deploying in the second half. They didn't know what to do with it. And I, I don't know. It drove me crazy from a defensive perspective. I guess I'd like to hear how you experienced watching that. Because when I was watching the film, I was like, yeah. Just, like this is not crazy hard yeah. motion. Figure it out. Well... It's not crazy hard motion, but you know, Dominic, that is a tough adjustment to make with, again, with the way the rules are now, yeah. because teams, you know, throw these one step bubble screens and all of that stuff so often that, you know, the motion that you're talking about is what the Chiefs were doing is they were starting a guy on one side mm -hmm. and they would motion him over to the other side and then they would snap it quickly and the Eagles were playing man to man coverage. Yeah. And so... They were trying to, okay, what do I do? Like, if I'm playing man-to-man -man and that guy, you know, gets, you know, over the, the offensive line, I got to sprint over to the other side because if they do a one-step throw, which they did in that game, now I got to be right there to make the tackle. Otherwise, it's a walk-in touchdown. Right. And so, you know, do you let that guy run all the way over? Because if you let him run all the way over, as we all saw later in the game, you start the motion. Yeah. The defensive back. back's in a dead sprint trying to get to the other side. You stop him, you bring him back. And he's wide open. Or do you rock the coverage, which for those listening at home, the corner's in man-to-man -man coverage. The guy starts in motion. The safety takes it over and becomes the man-to-man -man guy on the other side. And the corner goes back and plays safety. But the same idea is that you still have to rock and get back to that right. middle safety position. And, and, and so, you also have a safety covering a receiver, which is not a matchup that yeah, you want when it's no, Kadarius right. Tony. Yeah. But So we have the ability that if we time our motion well enough, where we get to the middle of the field and, th and that corner's rocking back to the middle of the field and all of a sudden we stop and go back in that direction, we're going to gain an advantage uh, once again. So to me, it's, it's a really hard uh, you know, motion to figure out how to stop um, you know, because of the way that the, the game is played now and because of all these quick one-step throws. I like that. I, I didn't expect getting Kurt Warner as an ally to like loosen up the rules on the defense. I, I like where we ended up. Anyway, Charlie, what you got, buddy? Kurt, you had a pretty unique and circuitous path to like NFL stardom, and you probably saw more and more different quarterback development plans than a lot of guys who end up being Hall of Famers and Super Bowl MVPs. 
why do we suck at developing quarterbacks? Why do we suck at coaching quarterbacks? And is there is there a fix to make sure that some of these guys who look like they have it don't bust at such a high rate? Well, I, I think the biggest thing, and so, yeah, you talk about, you know, my path. So mm-hmm. my path started with the fact that I sat on the bench for four years in college. So I had one year of playing in college. So, you know, I got my first tryout with the Packers, you know, and ultimately got cut. Um, you know, but but I joke all the time is that, so when I went to the Packers in 1994, Brett Favre was was taking over as the quarterback, you know, I think it was a year away from when he got, won his first MVP, but he was there and Ty Devon was there and Mark Brunel were there. So a couple Pro Bowl guys and obviously a, a Heisman Trophy winner. And so, you know, when I went there and ultimately got cut, you know, it's always one of those things like, oh man, it's so disappointing to get cut and, you know, will I get another shot? But the ironic thing was that, you know, so I went and played arena football in Europe and then came back and played 12 years in the National Football League. Brett Favre did not miss a single start <laughs> from the time I was in camp in 1994 until the day I retired in 2009. So that entire time, and of course it wasn't all for the Packers, but that entire time, he didn't miss a single start. So I look back so often and go, you know, even if I had made it with the Green Bay Packers, I would have never seen the field. Like I would have never had a chance to play football. And, you know, in getting cut, I went and played three years in arena football and I played one year in Europe, uh, you know, after the fact that I sat on the bench for four years in college. And what I always say was, is the best training ground for any player, but specifically for a quarterback, is to play football, mm-hmm. is to get opportunities to see things and to understand the game. The beautiful thing about arena football was it was backyard football. We never handed yeah. the football off. You were expected to score every time you touched the football. And it was all about the quarterback. And so that was like the perfect training ground for me because it was like pressure. It was like a two-minute drill. It was, you know, it was fast-paced. It was, you know, you know, the ability to score and throw all the time. So I got so many reps in that three and a half or four years that I was out of the NFL that there was no backup in the history of the world that had more reps than I got. So when I got back and got my chance in 99, 98, 99 with the Rams, I was so much more seasoned as a quarterback. And I think that's the biggest problem Mm. is that, you know, we don't have training ground for these guys. You know, we don't have opportunities for, you know, these backup quarterbacks, so to speak, to develop until we just throw them into the mix. And there's only so many spots to throw them into the mix. And so, you know, whether it was arena football, you know, NFL Europe at the time, I mean, you know, I can look back. Brad Johnson won a Super Bowl. He was a quarterback that played in NFL Europe. Jake DeLone went to a Super Bowl. He was a quarterback that played in Europe. I played in three Super Bowls. I was a quarterback that played in, like, it was tremendous training ground for guys that weren't starting in the National Football League to get quality experience playing the game and experiencing different, uh, you know, different things that that come up in the course of a game that you're just not ready for because you haven't played. And so I, I've I've been kind of amazed that, the NFL got rid of NFL Europe, mm-hmm. and we have never really grabbed a hold of another one of these leagues to go, this is our league to prepare guys. You know, and it could be all positions, but specifically offensive line and quarterback. Yeah. You know, you need reps and you got to play. And, and so, you know, I keep holding out that, you know, the NFL at some point will buy into the USFL or the XFL and go, okay, just like with NFL Europe, you know, so. You know, if the Rams had my rights, there was a specific team in Europe that they could send me to. 
Yeah. And so they would send me over there. I would get reps. I would get to play. And then I would, I would be allocated by that team and I would come back and play for that team. But it gave me quality reps to be able to play football. And I really think that we need that. And so of all the things that you can do and all the great trainers that are out there and all the work you can do in the offseason, nothing will ever replace playing football and being put in situations to have to react in pressure situations. I, I'm on the Kurt Warner for commissioner campaign. Yes. As soon as Roger steps down, I'm on it because first we're going to loosen up the restrictions on defensive backs, and then we're going to find a farm system to develop more quarterbacks properly. I'm down with that. Uh, all right, h- hard pivot. Did you really miss a tryout for the Bears because you were bit by a spider? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I did. Um, you know, so <laughs> the story goes that um, – so yeah, I was playing arena football at the time and obviously just, you know, waiting for an opportunity to get another chance to, you know, to compete in the NFL. And, you know, as the story goes, it was actually an opposing coach in the arena league um, because I had become really good in the arena league that knew somebody with the Bears and actually made the call and said, you need to look at this guy that's on another team so you could get him out of our league and, and, and give him a shot. So um so the Bears called me up and asked if I would come in for a tryout. And I was like, yeah, I'm in. Any day you tell me when, I'm there. And so, you know, I got off the phone and I go running into my wife to tell her, you know, how excited I am, you know, going in for a tryout this Friday. And, you know, she just gave me kind of this funny look, like she's just staring at me. And I'm like, why are you not excited? Like, this is what <laughs> we've been waiting for forever. And she's like, we're getting married on Saturday. And I was like, oh, yeah, forgot. Uh, you know, it just kind of overwhelmed me at the time. So I uh, forgot. So I had to obviously reach out to the Bears and go, okay, can't do it this week, but any other day I'm in. So we worked it out for the following week. I'm like, honey, got it worked out. I'm going to try out for the Bears next week. She gave me that look again. She's like, we're going to Jamaica for our honeymoon, dude. Like, <laughs> come on, man. Like, I know football is important, but not more important than this. So again, call the Bears back once again, whenever. I am in. So we set it up for the Tuesday after we were coming back from, uh, from a honeymoon. So sure enough, the last night that we're in Jamaica, I wake up, uh, that morning and my right elbow is swollen about the size of a grapefruit. Oh, no. I'm sweating. Um, you know, I've got a fever. Um, and so, you know, just feeling awful and, you know, I end up you know going home the next day elbow is still swollen. I'm still sick. I can't, I can't really move. And again, you, you, know, you go to the medical people there and they don't know. They're like, yeah, you got bit by a spider or a you know, <laughs> scorpion or uh, a centipede or something, whatever. Um, but ultimately I had to call the bears back and go, okay, you know, I can't work out this week because I got bit by something on my honeymoon on my uh. right elbow and I can't throw the football. And so needless to say, you know, three times was enough for the Bears to go, who is this dude? Like, who is this joker that we're trying to give an opportunity to? And he just can't make it work. And so the Bears never called again. Um, But a couple weeks later is when I got a call from the Rams, uh, went in and worked out for the Rams. And I guess, as they say, the rest is history. Uh, Yeah. The Bears lost. Anyway, Kurt, thank you so much. I don't want to take up any more of your time. Quarterback Confidential on YouTube is something that I watch, so you guys should watch and learn more about quarterback play, and hopefully we can have you on at some point in the regular season. You can teach us some more things. I appreciate your time, man. You got it. Thanks for having me on. I look forward to watching you throughout uh, the season, and I think it's going to be a great one. All right. Thanks, buddy.
This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, that was good. I thought we had fun. I like Kurt. Um, Thanks again to Kurt. And uh, I'm not joking about the YouTube channel he has. It does have good stuff on it sometimes that you can learn a bit more and do what I do. Repeat it on TV as if it was your idea. No, I don't actually do it. I'm just joking. He offered to join the show whenever. So, I mean, yes. Kurt Warner, back to be our co-host. Yeah. <laughs> Officially, is he the first friend of the show? Like, I think he's our first friend of the yeah. show. Yeah. Kevin yeah, Clark, enemy first... of the pod. Kurt Warner, yeah, friend Kurt of the Warner, pod. Friend of the show. I love it very much. All right. So thank you, Charlie, for doing this. Thank you, uh, Podville, for hooking this up. And Meadowlark for taking care of the studios. And, of course, Christina Buswell, Adi Khan, and Sarah Abbott for producing. And we have a special executive producer who... Deserves no credit at all. Come on! (laughs) If you recognize his name, that's all the credit he gets. All right. Bye. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.